0: Welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And we have as our very special guest this time, Professor John Levinson. Uh, he is the Albert List Professor of Jewish Studies at Harvard University. Uh, and my own teacher, um, Professor Levinson uh, was very, very graciously uh, was my advisor in my doctoral studies at Harvard, and uh, I just have a great, great admiration uh, for him. Uh, he has written widely on lots of different topics. Uh, on, uh, his latest book is on the love of God. He's written on resurrection. He's written uh, on law and covenant and the legacy of Abraham in a book called Inheriting Abraham, uh, he is the author of countless essays and chapters and articles in various uh, academic journals, uh, and he has been long active in Jewish Christian dialogue. I'm going to hold up a few books that he uh, has written that I just happened to have in my office, Resurrection and the Restoration of Israel, the Ultimate Victory of the God of Life, uh, and the Death and Resurrection of the Beloved Son, that Transformation of Child Sacrifice in Judaism and Christianity, Uh, and Creation and the Persistence of Evil, the Jewish Drama of Divine Omnipotence. That's just a few of the many books he's written. I would highly recommend you go to Amazon and check out uh, all of them uh, and ones that I haven't mentioned. So welcome, Professor Levinson. Uh, So glad that you uh,
1: joined us today. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Good. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, good to have you. Uh, We wanted to ask or talk about a a topic uh, that has to do with Christian Jewish relations, uh, um, particularly um, the practice of Christians reading what Christians call the Old Testament, what, what Jews call the Tanakh, uh, what scholars call the Hebrew Bible. Uh, is the practice of Christians reading the Hebrew Bible a case of reading someone else's mail? Uh, is it Can we ethically read uh, these Hebrew scriptures?
1: Well, that's a complicated question, but a very important and intelligent question. I would say all modern communities are different from Biblical Israel. The uh, Who the contemporary addressee is of the Hebrew Bible, the group known as the people of Israel, is it's not an empirical question. It's a matter of affirmation. People claim that status as part of a normative claim. It's not self-evident who those are. That Ancient Israel, Biblical Israel, in that sense, doesn't exist today. But what we have are successor communities that make a claim to inherit the status of Israel as defined uh, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, The church has long claimed uh, to be the the addressee. It's claimed to be the new Israel or the spiritual Israel uh, uh, as opposed to the old Israel or the carnal Israel, which is the Jewish people, which in many uh, Christian constructions are now dispensable or whose continued existence is even an offense uh, to God. So the church claims to be the, the new Israel engrafted on to the stock of Abraham views, uh, Paul's uh, metaphor. Uh, and thus they claim to be the rightful addressee of what the New Testament calls the scriptures. Uh, hegraphe, hegraphe in Greek, the scriptures. The only scriptures the New Testament knows is the Old Testament. Right. The notion so there's gonna be a new Bible. Uh, I don't see that in the New Testament itself. Uh, Eventually, in the second century, they began to have the pressure to produce a canon and and pressures began to develop to get rid of those Jewish scriptures because it represented a different God, supposedly. When that happened, Christians started uh, uh, referring to this as an Old Testament in uh, uh, binary opposition or in tandem, whatever, with uh, a New Testament. but I think it's important to understand that the, uh, the addressee in the Christian case is not universal humanity. It's not everybody on the face of the globe. It's not everybody descended from, uh, uh, from Noah or everyone descended from Adam. That was universal humanity. It's a very distinct subgroup of humanity, a very distinct subgroup, which is the church, as to say, and again, use Pauline language, the body of Christ, or sometimes you hear in modern discourse, the people of God. Uh, So it makes a specific particularistic claim. Some people say, well, Christianity is a universal religion and Judaism is a particularistic religion. Both of them have their universal dynamic and both of them have their particularistic dynamic. Christianity more than Judaism over the millennia has sought to convert the entire world to bring everybody under the aegis of its own particularism. That's a kind of infinite extension of a particularism. It's not just an affirmation of undifferentiated humanity. Uh, and uh, but both of them had their universal dimensions and their particular and their particular uh, or whatever you want to call it tribal uh, dimensions, and each one of them has its own uh, strategies for reading those common scriptures. Uh, in the church, you sometimes had had uh, the negative oracles, the oracles of judgment, the oracles of punishment applied to the Jews and the positive oracles apply to themselves, to the church. Not always, but that was a common strategy in, in, in the early church. Uh, but I think it's fair to say it's very hard to make sense of the New Testament or Christianity in general apart from the Old Testament. I think it was the Swiss New Testament scholar Ernst Kazemann who said apocalyptic is the mother of uh, of Christian theology I don't know if that's true of all Christian theology. It's certainly true, I would say, Jewish apocalyptic is the mother of early Christian, early Christian theology. And uh, if one were to try to understand early Christian theology, apart from the Hebrew Bible, well, good luck. Consider how how often the scriptures, as they call them, are cited, reworked, echoed, or just not cited uh, yep. in, the, in the, uh, the New Testament. Uh, so uh, that's a particular Christian reading of that common scriptures. Uh, the Jewish people uh, sees itself as Am Yisrael, the people of Israel, and thus the addressee of the Bible. The addressee of the Hebrew Bible and the Jewish reading would be the, the Jews. Uh, that, and this is connected to notions of chosenness, of selection, of singling out. I don't like the Christian term it's often used. Uh, I think it's, it's a little dangerous, uh, election. Hmm. The problem with uh, election is I think a lot of Christians when they hear the term "the elect," they think it's those who are saved versus those who are damned. Yeah, those right. headed for yeah, heaven versus that. those <laughs> headed for per- perdition. Yeah. Whereas election in the Hebrew Bible and in Judaism generally usually doesn't mean that it's not focused on questions of salvation. But there is a distinct group which is mm-hmm. the people of Israel, which is a kind of a natural family with a supernatural vocation, mm-hmm. and uh, the in uh, other words, both the natural and then supernatural Jew are part of that overall vocation of the, of the Jewish people. And uh, so I think a better term is probably something like uh, chosen, so what you also have in, in the New Testament, you also have the notion that the church is the chosen people and a lot of those texts like uh, Exodus 19 and so forth are then reworked to apply right. to the church. Right. And in Judaism, you also have a continuing tradition. It's not just the religion of the Hebrew Bible uh, it certainly doesn't read the Hebrew Bible literally very often, as mm-hmm. you, Professor Shivarek, will remember from the various Midrash courses you suffered through with me uh, <laughs> in all in all of which you starred. I even uh, had once I once even had a student <laughs> I've ever told you this, I once had a student ran the student evaluation. he was annoyed that when I would ask a grammatical question, uh, I would direct it to this one woman and he met you. Who always knew the answer. What I didn't realize was I didn't always direct it to her. I directed it to her when the others couldn't answer it. But I didn't realize that was I didn't automatically choose her. I would ask a grammatical question. Nobody would volunteer to an answer. People would try to look down their books, you know, sort of not not and I indicate that they uh, were vulnerable to a question. And then I would have to say Ms. Schifferdecker, who would 100% of the time get it right. Uh, but that is a big, that, that's a digression i can't remember what i was digressing but, oh midrash a, yeah a, so what is
0: what is midrash I, i'm guessing some of our listeners won't know what that what that term means
1: well it's not a like eczema on the abdomen it's not midrash <laughs> uh, or midriff rash uh, <laughs> and it shouldn't be pronounced midrash uh midrash is a uh is the mode of interpretation of biblical verses uh, in cl- classical rabbinic Judaism, say the, the Jews of the Talmud and and uh, other works of rabbinic Judaism from oh I don't know first century C.E. through fifth sixth century C.E. Uh, in the land of Israel in Roman Palestine Roman occupied Palestine and uh, in uh, Babylonia principally and uh, and it's not it's not plain sense interpretation it's not plain sense exegesis. Uh, it's not uh, uh, it's not literal, it's not carnal. It combines, it's a non-contextual associational logic that combines texts from hither and yon in the Hebrew Bible, according to the way they sound, hourly, the way it sounds to the ear. It decontextualizes it from the immediate literary context. If it recontextualizes it, so as to make uh, a kind of new theological statement. Uh, and you see this all the time in the New Testament, by the way. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, the uh, it, those who only approach the Hebrew Bible through historical criticism will miss this and say, "Oh, you're taking it out of context." Missing the fact that it's it's another context and it generates a new context. So those it's kind of
0: it's a kind of creative interpretation. I mean, it, often this, yeah. these midrashim are are really fun to read and yeah, and often very insightful.
1: They're often insightful. They're very usually theologically driven. Yeah, they're yeah. fun to read. They're witty. There's a kind of buoyancy to them. Uh, and They're often
0: stories, right? They'll 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 elaborate on the stories or things that aren't yeah, necessarily yeah. in the text, but
1: that's right. They'll elaborate with the story. They'll fill in they'll fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. the gaps in the Bible, generate uh, uh, these midrashim. In other words, uh, what is Abraham thinking when he's on the way to sacrifice his son? What interactions have? Why does his son? Suddenly, ask, hey, "Where's the uh, sheep for the for the sacrifice?" Uh, what made him suddenly ask that? Well, they have this whole situation where a demon figure, a mm-hmm. demonic satanic type figure, tries to persuade uh, Isaac and eventually Abraham to back down from this act mm-hmm. of sacrifice. And it's be- and so they have a whole narrative, as you say, a whole narrative that um, that fills in that gap because the Hebrew biblical narrative is so gapped. It's so terse, so spare. It calls forth these these elaborations. So what I'm trying to make is that as I see it, Judaism and Christianity are two uh, sister communities that are are, uh, appropriating a common scripture in ways that in some ways are parallel, in some ways are antithetical, uh, neither of which is plain sense, literalistic exegesis neither of which is engaging in historical criticism. Hmm. And uh, uh, these are again, uh, normative, normative claims that are made that you can't just empirically determine, well, to whom is this addressed? So are Christians reading someone else's mail? Well, all moderns are reading someone else's mail. The question is, what's the strategy of appropriation? How do we, what do we build? What's the link we build to ourselves and antiquity? Or what's the chain of tradition we recognize as linking us to antiquity so that we do have some claim on other people's other people's males. In other words, as I see it, both these communities need to, to, to recognize the existence of the other one right. and its modes of interpretation. You don't have to accept them. I'm not pleading for religious relativism. I'm okay, you're okay, that sort of thing. Or the kind of interfaith dialogue that's encapsulated in the hyphen and the word interfaith, or limited to the hyphen and the word interfaith. Mm. Uh, that's not that's not what I'm calling for. But I, I think the Degree to which they have their own interpretive procedures is key to figuring out: Are you reading someone else's mail, In what sense is it your own mail?
0: Yeah, that's really that's really helpful, Professor Levinson. I, I'm thinking I, I want to go back to what you said just a few minutes ago about Christianity and and Judaism as a kind of sister, kind of siblings, sisters. Because I remember hearing you say that at Harvard when I was a graduate student, and who knew and, all the answers really what's that i said when you were a student who knew all the answers <laughs> yes. um, and it struck me because i think before that and i think probably some of our listeners think this too that you know that jews are directly descended from ancient israel or equivalent to ancient israel right and that we are kind christians are kind of the interlopers i think that's why that's the the sense of the question or how we phrase mm-hmm. the question right are we reading someone else's mail well, really the Hebrew scriptures belong to the Jews and we Christians are just you know, kind of interlopers. But what That's you a, said was, no, neither one is ancient Israel. They're both descended from ancient different, Israel. I mean, descended
1: in different ways. I mean, right, right, right. probably if you do a DNA test, you would found, find most Jews are descended from ancient. Yeah. Uh,
0: Actually I mean, physically, I mean, yeah. Probably, yeah.
1: on the other hand, some Jews are converts. Now the process of conversion and what makes this gentile into a jew you don't find that in the hebrew bible you find that in rabbinic judaism mm-hmm. so that's that i mean by intermediating tradition that uh make that mediates and authorizes the normative claim and
0: yes, christians
1: yes. have an intermediate tradition it's the whole the whole tradition of the church yes, and they yes. claim that baptism involves grafting them into the line of, of abraham so in many ways baptism for them is a kind of uh, equivalent of circumcision and other uh, uh, conversion rituals of of Judaism. There isn't some neutral world out there, some neutral standard, neutral principles, which we say, oh, this one's legitimate, that one's not legitimate. Whether you think they're legitimate or not depends on on the very fundamental affirmations of one's life. Uh, And I don't think one can empirically uh, say. I've heard people say, I remember the late, Michael Wishigrad, who is a Jewish theologian and a personal friend of mine, uh, said, that, Well, he really thinks he's very, very interested in, in Christianity, very pro Christian in many ways, and wrote uh, an essay in tribute to Karl Barth and so forth, which you rarely find a Jewish thinker doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said, Well, let's face it, because we say we should try to observe the mitzvot, the commandments of the Torah, which rabbinic tradition uh, enumerates as 613, you'd have to say there's more of a direct line of continuity with Judaism. Well, if the focus is on the Pentateuch, yes. If you assume that the way in which rabbinic tradition, Talmud, exegetes those commandments really is continuous with the commandments themselves, often it doesn't exactly seem that way, uh, yes. But again, I I see that as a normative claim. I don't see this as just an obvious empirical claim. If you put the focus on apocalyptic literature, you put the focus on, I don't know, Enoch literature, or or the book of Daniel or whatever, uh, Ezekiel 38 through 39, you'd have to say an awful lot of Christianity has a kind of keen apocalyptic expectation, which appears from time to time in in Judaism and some Jews adhere to a given generation, but it's much, much less uh, prominent in Judaism. Observance (laughs) of the Torah, observance of the commandments, much more prominent in Judaism. Apocalyptic expectation, expectation, uh, imminent immediate expectation of uh, resurrection of the dead, these these are uh, these are I think more alive in in, uh, in uh, Christianity. Uh, so the way I see it, they're siblings in the sense that
0: Judaism and Christianity.
1: We call Judaism is rabbinic Judaism It's the, the Judaism of Talmud and Midrash. Uh, it emerges out of Second Temple Judaism. Judaism for the last few centuries before the turn of the era, uh, and uh, so both of these. Uh, Christianity and Judaism emerge as similar responses to similar crises. And they both inherit in different ways the Hebrew Bible and yeah. the, and, and the, uh, the uh, legacy of Second Temple Judaism. I think it's fair to say, I don't want to overgeneralize here because I certainly know of, of obvious and, and, and uh, striking exceptions. By and large, I think most Christians read the, their Old Testament with much with much more distance and mm. really don't, they They generally don't know that, they're not that much involved or committed to it, they see it as as past, old in the sense of past, I don't think that was necessarily true in the early church, I think it's true uh, for a lot of Christians today, but there are striking exceptions to that, and most Jews you meet today are really quite secular, and mm. know, know nothing about the, the, the Hebrew Bible and, and Jewish tradition.
0: I, I, I just want to add, I know we, we probably need to wrap up pretty soon, but this The way that we phrase the question, right? Are we reading someone else's mail? I think that's probably more of a, a modern issue, right? That it, right? Can we ethically read uh, the Hebrew is Bible? It, is it cultural appropriation? Right. Is it, yeah, to use a, a yeah. modern term, yeah, is it cultural appropriation? Well, I think, I, the think. Ol- Sorry, the, Sorry, I think the older problem, you know, for centuries before the modern era, is what you had mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Professor Levinson, as uh, uh, Christians kind of uh, uh, the opposite side of the coin, uh, thinking that they've displaced Jews. Yes. Right. That that it's no longer right that Israel is no longer Israel, or where the new, the church is the new Israel, and we see that in the New Testament in some passages. The problem right. of supersessionism, right? right? I think that's the the older problem. That's that the older problem, also- and, it, and it's
1: still around. Sure. So I think that's very well put. I think it's exactly right. In terms of cultural appropriation, well, all cultures appropriate all kinds of things here. I mean, I mean, uh, you go back to my family five, six generations ago, nobody spoke English. Am I engaging in cultural appropriation by speaking English or wearing Western clothes or whatever? Right. In other words, uh, uh, if you listen to jazz, I mean, I, I don't know anything about music. I, I do have an artist's ear for music. I, unfortunately, it's been Van Gogh's. <laughs> uh, but, um, but uh, you know i just has a lot of dispute about what the sources of jazz are and the origins of it and a lot of different communities claim it but if someone plays it mm-hmm. and, and does that mean they're appropriating i think cultural appropriate I think the, the, the question is what's the responsible way to appropriate
0: not is it appropriation
1: mm-hmm. anyone who, who attempts to read anything from the past is appropriating mm-hmm. something that's not obviously, distinctly, immediately theirs. But you're absolutely right, uh, Katie, is 100% right that uh, both of you that the deeper issue is uh, the supersessionism. In other words, uh, by what right do the Jews read the Hebrew Bible the way they do rather than reading it Christologically or typologically or predictively uh, the way it tends to be read uh, by Christians, especially uh, Christians with a keen eschatological expectation, expecting the end time. That's 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 the more uh, more difficult question.
0: Well, and that's a whole topic for another podcast, I suppose. But I would just point our our listeners to, um, if you if you're interested in that question of relationship of Judaism and Christianity, to to read Romans uh, chapters nine through eleven, yeah. where Paul, who is himself a Jew, I think this is probably too obvious to say, but you know Jesus was a Jew, all the early Christians were Jews, including Paul right paul is wrestling with this question of you know what about my people what you know uh, if 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 they don't believe jesus is the messiah you know are they still saved and he wrestles with this and he finally comes and it's it's there's different interpretations of those chapters but he comes to the conclusion that the gifts and the calling of god are irrevocable right? that god is faithful to israel to to the original israel as well as to the church, and he calls for humility that Christians are uh, just wild olive branches grafted into the root, uh, the, the the olive tree of Israel. So that yeah. then we we can't brag; we have to be humble. So I would I would point our listeners to those chapters that because yeah. they really, I deep. think that's
1: right. I think that's right. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, if you think it's based on we'll use that word election, election, you can't really take credit for election, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you can't if if you see yourself as loved or beloved or more or the chosen. Did you generate that? Is that your own merits that generated that? I mean, uh, clearly not. So I think that's his point. My own hunch about Paul in Romans 11, which I thought about a great deal, is I think he. It's a kind of protest against a certain kind of uh, uh, theological anti-Semitism on the part of the Gentiles boasting at the expense of the Jews and think the Jews have been radically permanently cut off. But I also think he, that he believes that in the end time, which he thinks is coming very soon, right. uh, the Jews will be re-engrafted in and the whole world will then acclaim Christ. Because I think he does foresee, God has not abandoned those Jews He, but I think he does think there's going to be a fulfillment of those covenantal promises in terms of what we might say in modern terms is conversion to Christianity at the end time in the eschatological consummation, the end time consummation. That's my guess as to what he means. But he certainly objects to this this sort of uh, bragging. If you're if you're able to read someone else's mail, it's only because you've been graciously granted that gift right that you can't really take credit for. Right,
0: right. Yeah, exactly. So there's a call for humility. And I, I think you're right. He probably does envision some mass conversion or something, but it, I, I think he leaves it up to the mystery of God, right? right? He's not. Yes, he does.
1: That's right. That's and right. and I the never, important
0: thing in that yeah. passage is, you know, God is faithful, right? So if God yeah. could abandon the Jews, then what, yeah. you know, why do you think God wouldn't abandon the church? So yeah. it's not, it's a theological, you know, yes. uh, assertion. God is faithful. God doesn't abandon the
1: Jews. That's right. Yeah. If you, you exactly. if you abandon your old friends, your new friends are not going to trust you.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, that's,
1: right, right, that's, right. that's, that's Part of yep. the, that's part of the problematic that he's wrestling with there right yeah, yeah, so i agree right. with that
0: mm-hmm. well uh, this we could talk for a long uh, time i know uh, we're not gonna um uh exhaust the topic of judaism and christianity and their relationship but hopefully uh you uh, our listeners got a taste for that uh thanks for listening to this episode of the enter the bible podcast get high quality courses commentaries resources videos and reflections at enterthebible.org